but I've traveled for a living. In the beginning, everybody want to know where you're at, what you're doing. Show us pictures. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, you might end up in a fucking infinity pool in Palm Springs just by yourself chilling in a mansion, going to a fish festival. And you might get zero likes, no love, nowhere are you, nothing. That's when you know you're making a fucking impact. That's when you know you're doing something. I don't want fucking 50 likes and 60 fucking well wishes and comments. I want zero. Because when you get zero on social media, they hating. You know they're there. I know they're there. But they hating and you're doing something. So I go for zero. I go for nothing. No likes. No nothing. Because then you're really doing something. You ain't living in fantasy land because that's reality. So the same thing with Europe. I quit talking about it. You know, no one wants to hear it. I ain't bragging. It's just what I did. So I'll get into some Europe stuff um, real quick. And then we'll get into the college years. And we rolling on this fucking podcast. We doing it. All right, Europe. Not only did it take a long time to plan, but it was a big fuck you to teachers who didn't think I could do it, or anyone for that matter. I had a life going on. I had it good. And if you're going to walk the talk, you risk it all. You go all or nothing. So Europe not only was a exploration for me and get the fuck out of Hurricane, but it was more of a fuck you to... Those I've been wrong, or those who didn't think I had it in me, but the dare to be great, the dare to do something, the dare to do something different. So, Europe it was, you know, and I fucking tried to cry at the airport, drive my best, but didn't give a shit. Flew to Europe. <clears throat> the girl that was with me on the plane, also an exchange student, Genesee, she was from New York, but she didn't make it very long. You know, a lot of people got homesick, whatever. That wasn't my case. But, again, I'm not going to talk much about Europe because, again, it's, it's hard to relate. Um, I've got a whole other life over there, a whole other family. About halfway through the evening, my fucking uh, news feed on my social media changes to Dutch because all my Belgian family, i got a brother, i got a sister, i got a mom and dad, all that over there, all my friends. And um, I love that life. I cherish it. But, you know, like I said, I quit talking about that. Not a whole lot of skeletons to tell. I was an arrogant, fucking wildin' out, 17-year-old American. And over there, if you remember the last show, they live a medium. It's a medium. They ride that medium plane. Everybody's on an equal playing field. Well, what they don't like is someone being brash or cocky or fucking self-absorbed, selfish, and not only that, telling them about it all and being fucking open-minded and honest and Fucking being everything I was at a 17-year-old fucking arrogant, cocky son of a bitch. So that's, you know, I've since apologized to my host family, the second one, because I'll get into that. But I apologize for being that arrogant, you know, narrow-minded fuck of a confident fucking thing. And even though I was living life, some people don't want to hear it. And a whole and when a whole community or a whole fucking country don't live like that, that's how it is. You'll find that when, when there's a medium and everybody's living the same, they don't want to hear nothing about somebody not. So when I got there, my first family, host family, that the organization sent me over to live with was very old-fashioned. They were so old-fashioned. I was in trouble. I knew I would fucked up. Um, I wasn't sure about my decision, but I also played soccer. So I was on a soccer team, uh, two different soccer teams over there, getting paid. Not that that's a big deal. It's just life over there. It didn't mean I was good or anything like that. But there was a 17-year-old kid that I bonded with on that team. And so it happens that his parents were cool as fuck. So they took me in. So I left my host family that I was supposed to be with, that the organization knew I was with. And I went and lived with another family. 
Well, they had that 17-year-old. Hey, they let do whatever he wanted to do. So I got to do whatever I wanted to do. And that was trouble because I was already wild. I was full steam ahead. Those kids over there, even at the top of the grade, I was supposed to be in sixth grade, which is senior over there. It's uh, They speak French, Dutch, German, and English. And not only that, you know, I'm sitting in calculus trying to learn in Dutch and all these things that our education system didn't prepare me for whatsoever. So I was wasting time in them classes. So I left school. My fr- best friend over there, he was also an exchange student, different part of the Belgium, but it's a small place. He was from New Zealand. So me and this New Zealand kid, we started traveling. We got lost. And by, I mean lost, I mean mentally, physically, and from the organization. So I basically, I'm on the run the whole time I'm there. The whole time I'm there, I'm in contact with my parents, nobody. I talked to uh, one girl who's sweet enough. She's doing very well now. She's on TV. Now she's making a name for herself down in New Orleans. But very few contacts. And I went over there, and I got lost. I ran. I was on the fucking run. I was in fucking London a bunch, fucking Switzerland snowboarding, uh, Holland all the time because I lived close to it on the border. Again, I'm with a family. No, I'm not on my own, but nobody knew it. The whole organization didn't know it. So I'm on the run. I'm fucking wilding out, getting crazy, doing speed, doing fucking real shit, drugs. Most people over there, though, they mix their weed with tobacco. So ain't no thing. Alcohol, there ain't no drinking age, strong as it is. So full steam ahead, not paying attention to nothing, traveling Europe and having a ball. That's what I was doing. Well, I started to enroll in a college over there because I was trying to stay in Leuven. And when I started to enroll, that process got me hemmed up. That got me caught. That got me caught by my parents. That got me caught by the organization. So all of a sudden, I found myself at the end of a year on house arrest over there with the president of the organization for the Belgian chapter. And on that house arrest, I had to talk to my parents for the first time. They're like, we don't care what you're doing. You coming home. And against my will, I flew home, and I came back, and I got sent home for violating travel regulations, not going to school, drug and alcohol abuse, and here I come, back home. Europe was an amazing thing. It fucking phenomenally changed my life. It showed me what it's like to travel. It showed me what narrow-mindedness is, like back home, people that never leave, and all these people have these opinions and voice them on social media and all this bullshit. They don't have a clue. You safe in your little comfort zone. You want to do something great. You want to fucking be somebody. Toss everything that you've collected, all the good in your life, everything. Risk it all and fucking go for it. Do the double backflip off the fucking high dive that you know you're not going to fucking make. Was it success, success for me over there? Fuck no. What I fucking did it. Was it fun? Hell yeah. Did it change my life? Hell yeah. Because traveling is the only way you get knowledge. It's the only way you get experience. And I can speak on it well more informed than most. And I was still wilding out over there. So when I come back, what happened? That was graduation night for Hurricane High School. Most people came to my house on that back deck where I first smoked that weed. And a couple brothers showed up. They had some acid, 10 strip, whatever. So there I was, back from Europe, speaking weird, looking good, and tripping my balls off with all my friends and trying to decide what to do. And I went to college. Oh, party school, right? Most say, oh, my God, you went to fucking the number one party school in the nation? Yeah, I did. Did that fucking have an impact on you, whatever? No, it did not. Because let me tell you something. 
if you go to Europe and you risk it all and you go live over there for a year and do the things that I did, you might come back better than Morgantown. You might be able to fucking drop game and influence Morgantown, that number one party school. Go fuck yourself, WVU, because I was already ahead of the game. I was already up in your ass, and it didn't do shit to me. I was able to influence it, and that's what we did. I ran with murderers there. I got like-minded individuals who I knew a little bit back in the day, but once released, we were fucking killers, and we did it. We did everything to the fullest. We fucking started a production company. We fucking started advertising. We started getting on the radio. We started coming to Huntington and running game. We introduced Cindy Block, my skeleton, ketamine, to fucking that area. We ran game. We lived life for six years. And I still graduated. Morgantown didn't do shit to me. I fucked it in its ass twice and then ate a chicken bank of pie pie. Fuck your steak. Thank you very much. I want to talk about full-time college student. 12 hours a week. You telling me you can't fucking handle 12 hours a week? I already knew I could. I realized that. I could fucking go off the chain, off the chart, not wear shoes, suck on toes, tongues. I don't give a fuck who they are. I could eat ecstasy six times a week, recover one day, Raw bacon, fucking fuck whatever came my way. Hate myself. All the above. Find your wife at the end. College was full top to bottom. Kids came up from back home, didn't know me anymore, didn't know who I was, but that's okay. I rolled with murders. And we set ourselves apart. And when we did, people gravitated towards that. Like my buddy who talked about what I say, my story's having consequences and no one wanting to hang out with me anymore. When I met you, you was wearing a fucking Dragon Ball Z shirt. Playing fucking D&D. Whatever it is, d and I don't fault that. I'm a chess player. I love chess. You know, I don't play fucking checkers. I can tell you that. So people gravitated towards it. Not because who we were and anything about being cool, but largely in part because we had what they wanted. I met a lot of my friends because we had what they wanted. I rolled with some kids. We all got together. All unique perspectives on life, all different. Mostly outstanding assholes where people most likely didn't either like them or didn't know enough to fucking approach them. Or maybe they were too scared. Whatever the reason, all personalities, all something brought to the table. And I'm talking about a few, six, seven. And one of the most influential, my brother to this day, who uh, lived out west, now lives in Austin. Didn't even know each other in high school. We knew of the name. So I get a call one day. I'm at this co-ed dorm up in Morgantown. And get a call on my little fucking shitty dorm phone and then, Hey, man, how you doing? This is so-and-so. I'm so I've heard your name. He said, well, I've heard of you, too. Let's get together. And from that moment on, life changed. The game changed. Everything changed. Because when you're around creative, inspirational people, people that are daring to be great, you elevate your game. You can't help but not. 
If you're in a crowd of killers, you're going to fucking learn to be the best fucking killer that you can. And so we all fed off each other. We all did that. We sat around and played fucking Mario Kart, James Bond, FIFA. That ain't no big deal. That ain't fucking nothing. Rubbing gold bond on our balls just for the tingle. Now that's something. I almost failed out of fucking freshman year. For fucking rolling, putting gold bond on my balls and playing video games and doing shit you shouldn't be doing, they say. <clears throat> but we was fucking making something. We were doing something. We were meeting people. We started music, all right? I brought fucking techno and beats and all that shit back from Europe with me. I'd been at the legendary, legendary underground club in Brussels, Belgium called The Fuse. That's where I fucking threw down. Because most of them European clubs... They're for the fucking Nancy boys with the fucking tight black on, the South Beach style where you got your fucking good clothes on and fucking looking sharp, but you, nah, that wasn't me. But the Fuse, they understood me. They welcomed me in. However you come, come on, come on. So I come back with this attitude and I find these like-minded older gentlemen I knew from growing up. I'd sat in one of his parking lot while my buddy fucked his girl in his driveway growing up, but I knew of them. They knew of me. They'd heard the name. They heard their names. But together, together, we were fucking untouchable. Notice, I'm in college, right? I ain't talked about class one time yet. It was so fucking down the list of priorities for us. So we started a production company. Efficient Music Productions. And what that entailed was, it was organized. It was We were an LLC. We were a limited liability company. We started a company. We started signing DJs. We started doing events at one, two, three. We owned a corner pocket night. We did a night every, you know, every week at corner pocket. We started making a name in that regard. And then we found the basement. I posted a few pictures recently of it. And then that changed the game. But we were organized. It took a team of people. We had artists. We had fucking security, who's no longer with us, DUI, while I was in school. But. From Buchanan. My wife actually knew him before I did. We had a fucking crew of fucking 10, 15. Started with six, seven. And then, you know, people influenced wanting to be a part of what we were doing. But we fucking owned it. We ran with it. It was professional. We had DJs coming in. We go to Pittsburgh. We go everywhere. And we throw these parties. And we throw these raves. And we go underground. And we started doing parties at the basement. And everybody that was a part of it can't help but be touched by it. You know, we were fucking living life to the fullest. We were fucking, you talk about a fantasy land. We were living it. Not fucking on the computer. We was doing it. And people gravitated towards that. So then you got to wonder whether you're here for me or you're here for the scene. You know, whether it's musicians, artists, and all the above. Ladies, men. All wanted a part of it. And we rolled deep with it. We had a collection of people of unique life geniuses, of inspiration and creativity and we we did good with it, and we could have made it something, you know. My I'm one third of efficient music productions, but those guys they had a life of their own too. They were good. And one was a valedictorian. One went to fucking high school in Saudi Arabia with princesses and shit. So they're off doing their thing. One's like one helped develop fucking the way Morgantown looks today. Thank you. Go fuck yourself because Sunnyside's gone. What happened to Fallen Run Road? He knows who he is. He's got fucking minds all over the world. And he's doing good. He's doing real good. The other one, doing fucking phenomenal well. Got a family. Doing well. Comes back to Morgantown a lot. He was the valedictorian of his fucking high school. So, 
we were able to change lives. People gravitated to it, but we took it seriously. We took it to the next level. We had security. We had everything. We had it locked. We had a lockdown. We were efficiently rolling. We had, I was a journalism major, PR. I had access to the fucking media. We were doing radio shows. We were doing on newspapers. We come to Huntington. We knew owners down there of ours. We come down there. If a party we went to, say on 4th and whatever down there for Halloween, big party, we owned it. We ran it. Shit was going bad. Too many people hitting up for our product, night, whatever. We didn't like it. We rented the top floor of the fucking Ramada downtown Huntington. That's how we rolled. Everything but school. I got a fucking point seven my first year in Morgantown. Point seven. GPA. Got put on academic probation. That's what happens when you fucking take your political science final and two green gel, gel tabs of acid. That's what happens when Cindy Block, the skeleton, comes out and you don't ketamine that you have a vet office fucking hook up from two English kids. Brother, sister. Shout out to them. But that's what happens when you eat ecstasy five times a week and you got toes and shit in your mouth and you having crazy orgies that you don't even know who's who. <clears throat> that leads into something else later, too. Got another skeleton. You know, my only skeleton ain't mummies. But ain't a whole lot of mummies in fucking Morgantown. It's a lot of kids. It's all kids. So that fetish got put off for a little while or that desire. And take what you get. I wasn't out there to fucking... Find someone or look for somebody to do something. I was out there for experience, for fun. In the position that we put ourselves in, we did. We were able to run it. You know, we lost lives so from it. You know, we had our fucking dude who was a fucking, just a player of all. You know, he was our guy. From him, we had his second lieutenant. And then we had our guy, our contact. And then it was us. That second in charge, he put a bag over his head one day doing nitrous and he fucking died. So... Uh, you deal with that when you live that life. You're that indulgence, that excess. <clears throat> Skeletons in my closet then? Yeah, fuck, I heard back home I was a fucking no-shoe-wearing fucking stripper. <clears throat> well, never graced the stage professionally, but <clears throat> it was pretty close. It wasn't, it wasn't inaccurate, that's for sure. It didn't matter. We did whatever we wanted, however we wanted. We, when the bars closed, we went to the bars. We knew the owners. We stayed there. We did our shit. You know, when you throw music in these places, you do it. I got locked in McClafferty's one night with the owner. He said, you want to stay and play some Trivial Pursuit? It's strip Trivial Pursuit, but you want to play? I'm like, hell yeah, dude, I'll stay. Locks the doors, everybody leaves. And here come the two gorilla fucking girls. I'm talking refrigerators. I didn't know his face was big old girls. And I'm not talking like just a normal big girl with a pretty face. I'm talking fucking, I couldn't find nothing if I wanted to. Fucking just refrigerators. So there's me, Owner McClafferty's, and these two fucking enormous girls that make up four of me. Playing strip trivial pursuit till seven in the morning. We had it like that. We could run that town. We come down and then we had people from Huntington that saw the fucking potential of what we were doing. All smart kids. Fucking studio wives. Fucking a kid come up that good friend of mine still this day. He's now in Ohio, but he come up and he would organize Fuck it, or do a whole computer program. And we, in that basement, we'd throw fucking blank screens on the walls and he would fucking design a fucking computer program of graphics to fucking move to the beat of the shit. And we had fucking musicians and all this. Again, not talking about school. So at point seven, I had to do something. Because I realized, fuck, 12 hours a week? How can you not do this? Well, you gotta fucking juggle a little bit. You gotta fucking 
sacrifice something to fucking do the bad, right? So I stayed in school simply because I wanted to continue what we were doing. I wanted to continue fucking being bad. I needed to do just enough to fucking get by, and I did. I'm one of the only ones that graduated out of all that fucking chaos, and I'm glad I did. I did it just so I wouldn't regret all the shit we did. You know, I'm you sitting on a porch watching your buddy fuck a girl who we named Frankie. Still don't know her name, so we just used to name him. And my buddy's standing next to me, jacking her. He said, man, if I jack off watching you, I said, no, bro, go ahead. So he's jacking off. I'm standing next to him. We're watching our buddy fuck this girl. They come in and say, hey, turn up the music. So I walk in, turn up the music, come back out. My buddy finishes. Um, we all go our way. I get a call later from my buddy that was doing it. Say, hey, man, fuck, that was amazing, right? That was, fuck, what an experience. Yeah, that's cool, man. He's like, I think I did good. I said, well, I'm not so sure. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't know if she was all, you know, I don't know if she was all about that. She loved the voyeurism. She, that's what she got off on. She was enjoying it, but I'm not sure you got the job done. He said, oh, fuck that. I did. I was fucking man. I'm dude. I did that. I said, well, here, ask her, because she was in my bed at that point. She was laying next to me. So sometimes that's how it goes when you zig, you zag. Again, I started hating myself, being Mr. Nice Guy that I am, resenting things. So I developed this alter ego zipper face to justify my actions of whoring myself out and taking whatever came my way the easiest way out. Well, Zipper Face, I had to kill him. He died after I was with a girl for a while. She's now with one of the Davidson brothers. They're a pretty popular band. I don't know if you heard them. They opened up for Jason Aldean and a couple of West Virginia games. But they're going to make it. They're doing good. I was the lead singer's coke dealer. So, you know, they like me. We follow them around. We go get lost for weeks. So this girl, I was just disgusted with myself. She's a pretty big girl. But I told her one day when I got up off her, I hope you fucking die. Oh, man, that was Zipper Face, right? Zipper Face wore leather fucking, you know, leather fucking thing over his, like the gimp, you know, but I had a little fucking zipper across my mouth. So it didn't matter, guy or girl, but I had my mouth open. So I said, I hope you fucking die. So fucking, she chased me out of the house with her brother. Cop beat me up in Mill Street because she could do that. So I went to work the next day and this huge fucking memorial for Zipper Face killed him. And that ended that personality of hate myself. What really ended it was I had to go to get an STD test. You know, you get the swab up the fucking dick hole. Y'all ever had that? Yep. So I get that motherfucker done, and that was fucking violation of all epic proportions. I get a clean bill of health. So when I get that clean bill of health, I'm good to go. I'm fucking back on top, loving myself, about to graduate. I lived a life of fucking excess and indulgence with some of my closest friends to this day. Brothers and sisters all alike. We ran game. I made it through. I actually graduated. It took six years, but I made it. But I'll be damned if the fucking doctor that didn't stick the fucking thing up my fucking dick hole wasn't on every fucking billboard in town. Every town. That's why I, everywhere I went, that motherfucker's face was up there. Smiling, you know, advertising for the doctor's office. But God damn it, I had to look at this motherfucker who violated me. Ugh. All the fucking rest of my year that I was there. But I made it. I got through. And it was fucking the most difficult juggling of drugs and fucking excess. My skeletons of the closet of that fucking time period would be Cindy Block, Mrs. Ketamine, 
Because you get blocks on your feet. You can't fucking see nothing. You straight ahead fucking sit in your seat. I used to go to class on ketamine. Then you got fucking Dr. Feel Good. Dr. Fucking Love. Ecstasy. Fuck, we used to sling 2,000 ecstasy pills a week. From every frat to every bar, every owner, everybody. Back then, ecstasy and the pressy pills was amazing. Mitsubishi, Tesla, triple stack sex pills. Fucking phenomenal. Good drugs. Good fucking love you drugs. You tell a total stranger you love them a thousand times in an evening. Did I want touch on that shit? Fuck no, that wasn't my thing. I'm out for experience. I'm out for fun. Plus, there ain't no fucking moms here. There ain't no fucking moms for me to fucking... I like doing what's taboo. I like doing what you shouldn't. I like doing the forbidden. The forbidden. What no one would ever imagine. No one would ever imagine. That's what I like. So I'll get into that later. So that starts to introduce my skeleton Skittles. Who's Skittles, you say? You want to meet Skittles? You will. I'll bring her out of the closet, him out of the closet, whatever he or she is. Skittles is the ultimate. Well, who would have fucking thought? Maybe you would have, but you never knew. I love doing what people would never expect. I love doing the forbidden. Me and my buddy, he knows it. We weren't fucking, there ain't no bros before hoes, all that showed us the bullshit. We were all about our crew. We were about a tight-knit fucking organization that ran game. We all went to fucking Toronto, Canada for the millennium. We all fucking, you know, paid our dues. And we had artists, musicians, talented people, all unique individuals. It took a team. wasn't just me. We all brought something to the table. But there ain't no moms in Morgantown. So, and I'm not out to go fucking just whatever girl with this or that. You know, I had a girlfriend here or there, but nothing was serious. We broke up on fucking Valentine's Day. So, am I still friends with them? Hell yeah, of course. But, you know, you might have your crazy sexual experiences in, you know, when you're living like that. You know, I went to see Yonder Mountain one time in Morgantown on the high street there, right? Fucking at the theater. And fuck, you could come and go back then. So my one buddy, he passed out. He was sleeping like everybody knows he does. Fucking got bubble gum in his hair. I ran in a girl I've been with. Everybody knows she's great. She's fucking nicest girl in the world. I've been with her since freshman year. So we go up. You know, I got my girlfriend. I don't know where she is. Go up to her house, and she jerks me up into the sky by my legs, by my ankles, like a fucking deer hanging from a fucking thing ready to get skinned. And she fucking starts to toss in that salad and eat first time and only time. Not the only time, but. First time a woman did, she fucking jerks me up and starts to lick in my ass. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, starts tickling. I'm fucking wiggling, trying to get away. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm more impressed that she could jerk me up like that. Flip me upside down, jerk me up like a fucking cleaning a baby's ass. God, I fucking love her. Love her. Shout out to her. But I was thinking, God damn, I've been everywhere today. I ain't fucking cleaning my ass. That had to be fucking rough. Got caught because I was fucking... With a girl that had patchouli on, that fucking hippie oil. Don't ever do that, because you'll know you've been somewhere. That's like walking into a fucking hotel with a bunch of Indians on and fucking coming out smelling like curry. So, don't do that. But, it was wild. It was reckless. I had every chance to fucking either perish, die, get a disease, all that. I came through with a clean bill of health, and I fucking graduated. And I still have these brothers and sisters for the rest of my life of my friends. It was murder's row. It was death row. And some of the people that came along and hung around, they still friends to this day. But they wasn't that, they didn't have it in them. They was with us for who we were. 
We all had it in. So what happened to us when we left? We all left. We had to go away. Everybody went for, to four corners of the United States as far as they could fucking get. Because life ain't like that. Life ain't at the top of the food chain. Life isn't fucking Mr. Fucking Badass on the radio, doing advertisement, fucking getting musicians, doing ladies, men, whatever you do, doing drugs five, six times a week, having no responsibilities. 12 hours a week. That's full-time college. 12 hours? Are you fucking kidding me? I made it. It was hard. Took 20 years off my life. Is Morgantown a party school? Fuck yeah, it is. We burn everything up to the ground, win or lose. We beat Virginia Tech one year, and them dumb motherfuckers went over and ripped down the goalposts in an empty stadium. We burn everything. Rip it out of the house. Burn it down. Just fucking living wild. Did it influence me? Fuck no. I was already there. I influenced it, and you can bet that. And everybody I was with, we fucking owned it. Because we murderers. So all those hanger-ons that are worried about me telling the fucking story, don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. But you best fucking look at yourself in the mirror and don't join death row if you ain't willing to die. You can fucking put that down. Because we did. We ain't afraid of none of it. But we all suffered. We paid a price. Because life ain't like that, like I said. So when we get off into the real world, guess what happens? No one gives a fuck what we did there. No one gives a fuck who you were back in the day. You can't talk about college all the time. Them the glory days, right? You can't be that guy living in the past. Well, I did for a long time. I struggled with fucking moving on and not being that. Not standing behind the stage instead of in front of it. You know, I was, well, dyslexic. But I was behind the stage. Not in front of it. That's tough to get over. That's tough to get over. All the admiration. Girls, guys, everybody wanting to be around. Fuck, when you get out, that don't happen. You know what I did? I graduated college, and then I went door-to-door sales in Baltimore. Baltimore. Door-to-door sales. Commission work. You ever fucking been in Baltimore in the winter and asked someone to come in the house that didn't want to buy nothing from you because you had to shit? Shitting in strangers' house. I had a gun pulled on me one time. Get the fuck out of here. What the fuck are you doing? Selling your stuff, right? Miserable. Ended up at an Enterprise. Enterprise Rent-A-Car. You got to be a college graduate to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Did y'all know that? Well, guess what? When it's 100 degrees and you're outside fucking sweeping out a car and your tie gets sucked up in the goddamn vacuum, you fucking hating like... Right up into the fucking vacuum. Fuck you. Miserable. I even got my own office. I worked my way up to Enterprise and had my own fucking office. What I do, because remember, I like to be bad. I'm trying to get that fucking feeling back of college, them glory days, them irresponsibility where you're the top of the chain. You're doing every drug in the planet. You got your skeletons. You got your Dr. Feelgood. You got your fucking Escobar skeleton. You're getting grams for $20. Everybody's bringing coke your way. You got two kilos in a fucking closet. You got fucking Lucy on the fucking string you're fucking lucy every fucking time you get her you're bringing lucy to fuck everybody else you got cindy blocks you got ketamine you doing it up when you at enterprise and your tie sucks right up in the fucking vacuum you just like everybody else and that's hard to deal with it was hard for a lot of us to deal with it took a long time for me to get over that it took a long time for them but then you pick yourself up you fucking dare to be great again you do something about it so I started traveling working. 
My wife, I met her at the end of my college, thank God, because if I'd have met her any day sooner, it would have never happened. She'd have fucking hated me. Angel of the earth. Don't do nothing wrong. Deals with me. We started traveling the country, working. We remodeled Lowe's, Targets, you know, all that. It's a good contract, but it took us traveling. took us together. We don't have no kids, so I was able to fucking be a kid. And we started making new memories, not living in the past. And as amazing as college was, it's tough for me to tell them stories because I quit telling them too. Nobody wants to hear about your college days, the good old days. And even when we tell the shit that happened, no one believes it. We lost friends, of course. We ran game, of course. But it was way more important than that. It was building bonds, lifelong brotherhoods and friendships of sisterhoods and being who we were, running game. And it wasn't until recently when I got back in touch with one of them because I want to do stand-up. I've never graced the stage. I know I could. I'd fucking kill it. They'd tell me to fucking, you know, got five minutes. So fuck, I need a fucking hour, brother. I need two hours. Let me do that fucking headline spot. I'll go after fucking anything. I love Def Jam. I love Red Fox. I love Richard Pryor. You know, they made a career off making fun of us crackers, right? I love In Living Color. What a fucking show. That put black culture on the map and living color and Hispanics and the dancers. Don't you think it's funny Jim Carrey's the only real nigger on that show? That's right. He was. He was phenomenal. I'll do comedy. I'll fucking go at you. I'll go at the Chappelle's and all that because I love them. I respect them. I put a different take on things. And they'll agree. I've been in them households. I know what it's like to take my hat off. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I know what it's like to sit down at tables of Moroccans and fucking Belgians and all these different races because that's what we are. We all from somewhere else. I know what it's like. I've been there. I've done it. Experience. I don't need nothing in this fucking world that I can't take with me. I can take my experiences. I'm going with them to the geofractal plane when I blast off out of here. That's all you can take. Ain't no fucking hearse. Like I said, what are you, ho? Fuck that. And fuck living in the past. You got to make new memories. These stories I'm telling are bothering me right now. I'm getting angry. I don't want to tell these college stories of fucking greatness and all this shit and dare to be great and being at the top of the chain. But that's how it was. That's where my drugs were started, you know. High school wanted drugs. We started taking designer drugs. Raving in the paintball warehouse in Pittsburgh where it gets so hot that the fucking paint would drip. You know, going into strip clubs, owning a fucking joint. Not there to see the strippers, but to fucking give them what they wanted. Carp launch anywhere we wanted. Locker doors. We're staying here till 7 in the morning. Till you line up a bunch of red shots, you think it's something fruity, and it's cinnamon moonshine, and you fucking puke everywhere and get mad at yourself. Or you're stuck playing strip trivial pursuit with a bunch of fucking refrigerators. We all lived it. We all did it. It was fucking excess to the fullest. They all know who they are. I ain't got to say their name. I don't need to be told to watch the stories I tell for the consequences. You with murderers, motherfucker. You dealing with killers. That's what we did. That's how we approached it. And that's how we've always been. We still do that to this day. But when I call one of them up, like I mentioned... I said, man, I want to do some stand-up. Go for it, brother. I think you'll be amazing at it. Instantly encouraging. Instantly positive. Anybody else in my life around here now? Even me talking to this mic right now thinks I'm fucking stupid. You crazy. Blah, blah, blah. That's them. That's the insecurity of them. That's fear. That's them not wanting to be great, daring to be great. Take chances. Risk it all. Do that shit. Challenge every fucking thing. And if you have in your past some friends that, we felt the same. Call them up. Ask them what they're doing. 
See how they've been. Go visit them. I've been to see my friends in South Florida. I've been to see my friends in California. I've been to see my friends in Denver. I know where they are. I've been to see them. I've seen my friends that now live in Ohio, maybe at a wedding or so. You stay in touch. And when you are around them, you get that fucking fire in you again. You feel that fucking, you get fucking goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. You know what I mean? They meant something. They're important. And when you're away from that creativity and that inspiration, you forget about it. And you might start to listen to these motherfuckers who don't dare to be great, who weren't anywhere near it, tell you you're fucking stupid because you want to write a book, or tell you you're fucking stupid because you want to start a podcast, or tell you you're fucking stupid for dreaming. I want the dreamers listening to keep dreaming. I want to be all that. That's what I'm trying to encourage, inspire. Now, this is a drug show. Yeah, I've introduced you to Dr. Feelgood. My skeleton of ecstasy, Cindy Blocks, ketamine. I've introduced you to Escobar, cocaine, fucking, you've met Mary, Lucy, and Patches. Who the fuck knows where he is? That's the drugs we were doing. Designer party, rave drugs. Shit you can't really function on normally day to day. What changed the game? What flipped that whole script? Was when I started traveling on the road. Not that I, what I was doing on the road, it was much the same. But it was when I came home. And the whole fucking game had changed. Suddenly, everybody's like the wa- fucking show of the walking dead. Zombies. Fucking zombies. What's everybody doing? They don't clean heroin straight from the government. Roxy, oxy. Fucking Percocet. Make you itch. Fucking make you feel good. Give you fucking power and strength. Make you feel good all day. And nobody know it. You can't walk around eating ecstasy with a pacifier in your goddamn mouth and go to Kroger's. You're going to jail, Jack. You can't fucking trip acid every fucking day. You're going to fucking ruin your life. or You just can't do it. Every time I did cocaine, I swore it off. Fuck that shit. Get it away from me. Mouth all fucking hurting. Nose fucking burning rub. But you can do a Percocet. You can do a couple of them in the middle of the day and feel fucking amazing. You'd be singing on a Tuesday going to work. Nobody knows the wiser. Roxy, Oxy, that changed the game. Then I started thinking about big, big fucking farming government. This is fucking dealt by the government, the farm. So I started looking into it. And then I realized how fucking much they had cornered the drug market. Because all the shit we were doing, a lot of coming from Europe, ecstasy, Amsterdam. Most of the times you can bet it. There's pill presses now, but you got to watch out. They're doing it fake. But pills, 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 pills. That wasn't my bag. So I started coming home and seeing all my friends fucking zombied out, dead of the world, on the couch, pick them up. They look like fucking they're getting abducted by aliens in that beam of light with the fucking hands like, oh, just fucking beamed up. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Changed everybody's life. Changed the world. And everybody's stuck in West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, thinking, God damn, this is discouraging. Why are they fucking just throwing it on us here? A million fuck, 12 million pills in a month in a small town, West Virginia. You know why they was doing it? Because the demand was here. The appetite was here. The rural part of mentality was here. Nobody doing nothing. Nothing to do was here. These drug dealers. The government drug dealers. Big Pharma is drug dealers. Kingpins. They ain't stupid. Why do you think all that shit comes across the border from Mexico up into here? Americans, we're a drug culture. We are hungry. We have an appetite for drugs. The demand, 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 demand. They're going to supply, supply, supply. 
That's economics. I learned that in college, at least. You can bet that. So we're going to get into that in volume two. I've talked enough today about all this. I've introduced you to all my skeletons, almost. You know, and as you've seen this progression from weed and playfulness and exploration in high school, a little bit of acid, and, you know, the biker crank that got looked down upon, we've elevated to ecstasy, ketamine, fucking nitrous, everything associated with party, fun stuff, drugs, right? So what happens when that goes away? When I start traveling, I come home. It's pills, 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 opiates, benzos, opiates. And it changed the game because it's functioning. You can't function out in the real world and that other shit. Those are meant for parties. That's meant for college when you don't got but 12 hours a week of responsibility. But what happens when you got 40 hours a week? What do you do? You might do some pills, right? And then once the pills get fucking taken away by the government, then what are you going to do? I'll never do that shit. You might find yourself meeting Frog Face Sally and Double Dribble. Them are my skeletons. Frog Face Sally, that's methamphetamine. Double Dribble, that's heroin. And now, you ain't even doing heroin, if that's what you think you're doing. You're doing fentanyl. You're doing synthetic drugs. Methamphetamine is the only synthetic drug by its actual nature there is. Who would have thought that? The only real safe drug now is methamphetamine. Because the government's been feeding it to you your whole life. It's in your fucking cough syrup. It's in your fucking shit. It's in every fucking thing that you've given your kids. Well, he's running wild. He's fucking crazy. Well, let's give him some Adderall. Oh, look at it. It works. He's it's fucking normal. Well, fuck yeah, he's normal. He's fucking zooted out of his goddamn brain because he's fucking high on methamphetamine. It's in everything. As you make, you don't manufacture methamphetamine. You extract it. Just like you do for dabs. You extract the THC out. You don't manufacture methamphetamine. You extract it from what the government and all of them, the fucking pharma and the lobbyists have fucking put in our face forever. They have fucking kept weed and hemp could have saved this country and the fucking medical benefits of marijuana. Thank God it's coming out and everybody's fucking getting on board. They used to fucking make cars out of hemp. Big paper, big business. They stopped all that so they could make money. They put that fucking Advil, ibuprofen, anti-inflammatory that inflames your fucking system into you. They don't want CBD oil and all this good positive things coming from natural substances. We are a drug culture. They fed it down your throats. I begged for two years to learn how to make methamphetamine. Worst thing I ever did, I followed through. I made it. Worst decision ever, because now I know I can do it anytime, and I got fucking, I can do jars and jars and jars and fucking make money when I'm fucking struggling. <clears throat> don't tell nobody your recipe, because once they know it, guess what? They don't need you no more. They're going to kill your ass. So, if you enjoyed playing with that little chemistry strip when you were younger, you will like some of these shows. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but we change molecules. That's what the synthetic thing does. Pseudofedrin got outlawed in Mexico. It's behind the counter now. That's why you don't see all these hollers making it. They are still doing it, but it stays in the holler. They got holler money. They got holler drugs. They ain't selling it. It takes a thousand Sudafed pills to make an ounce of fucking methamphetamine. That good dope is gone. Patches, the biker crank, he'd love to be back now. At least it was real. Now, they switch one molecule. One molecule. And you got all this super dope coming out of Mexico. 95% of it that's here. I call it decent garbage. Because it ain't fucking real. It ain't what it was. Methamphetamine's still there. 
but you could switch the dynamic of the chemistry. You could switch the molecule. You could switch it up. Perfect example of that, of killing everybody, fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic drug. It's meant to treat you in a hospital short-term. It's got a short-term life. That means it's powerful. It's short-term for when you're in surgery, get you in and out. Well, if you were using it on the street, you would keep using it because you ain't staying high as long. And dope addicts ain't got the fucking sense to microdose it out and get high for a year as opposed to a fucking week or die in one fucking go. You might think you're doing him. You're doing fentanyl, Jack. It's fucking awful. Synthetic drugs are awful. Don't want nothing to do with them. Methamphetamine, same thing. It's a synthetic drug. But we ain't manufacturing it. It's got its positive. But the shit people are doing nowadays, that fucking walking down the street, beat yourself in the face, or run through the fucking woods with no shoes on, screaming your mom and dad after you, or dig to the bottom of your well thinking there's fucking gold down there, and y'all you're doing is digging up the water pump. That's the darkness. And darkness is here, and it's coming. Wait till you hear about fucking the second volume and meet my skeleton Skittles. Because I'm here to tell you, it might change who you are. You might fucking be a freak. You never know. When you've amplified on some fucking good shit, boy, you will fucking do anything and everything. Might do you. Maybe not. That's Skittle story. My skeleton Skittles, sexy bitches she is. I almost brought her out tonight, but I'm afraid once I bring Skittles out of the closet, you ain't putting her back in. I guarantee you that. If you fucking signed up for it and you rolled with it, then you're going to pay the price and you're going to have to accept the consequences of that. And it ain't going to come from me telling a fucking story. It's going to be in your own life. You've already paid the price. You might have already known the consequences of your actions. We all pay for it. Ain't nobody get out of this motherfucker alive. Nobody gets out alive. If it hadn't happened yet, it's coming. Don't listen to me to tell you. You'll find out. But I hope it was inspirational. I showed you a progression of drugs, and we're not even to the darkness yet. I got a whole nother show, Volume 2. It's going to come out Tuesday, and that's going to be from 20s to 30s and 30s to present. I'm 40. And the darkness and how you might not have wanted to ever do those things, but if you're living like we were, high-flying, coming out, you're going to do anything because it's available, whatever's available. And we don't dictate what's available. You can't choose what you're going to do. Big Pharma government helps us do that big time. Cartels help us do that big time. Whatever's available, you're going to do it. You can't find hardly any good green weed in West Virginia no more. Almost heaven. But you can find 20 pounds of fucking dope, fentanyl. You can find 20 pounds of fucking meth. Look like a goddamn basketball, can't you? So we're going to get into all that. The darkness. The fucking exploits. You're going to meet Frogface Sally, my fucking mess skeleton. You're going to meet Double Dribble, my heroin skeleton. And you're going to meet fucking Skittles. Fucking freaky fucking bitch she is. And like I said, once she's out the closet, you ain't putting her back. But we're here to bear it all. We're telling everything. Because that's what I want. I want y'all to know who's talking to you. I want you to know where I'm coming from. I want you to know it's coming from the heart. I want you to know it's fucking real. We're here to spread love and compassion. And if you're feeling down and out and you don't think you're worth something, fuck, you call us up and we'll fucking prove you wrong because there's something special in every one of you. We're all unique life geniuses. You know, we are sad clowns. And we don't do this for fucking show. We don't do this for validation. We already know where we're at. I'm here talking to you. If you need us, we're here for you. I'll be there for you. I'll be that fucking shoulder to cry on. And I'll fucking cry on yours. Because we ain't nothing better than you. 
We're about love and compassion. This is Tweaker Speaker. Stay tuned for Volume 2 coming Tuesday. And again, if you're tweaking, go to bed. If you freaking stay in bed. If you're looking for answers, they're in your head. And if you're shooting dope or fentanyl, don't worry about a thing, brother, because you'll be dead. I love you guys. Stay tuned Tuesday. This is Tweaker Speaker. I'm Wisby. Peace.